next to my bathroom in my basement. This is my worst holiday. My worst holiday. See, cool phantom, chopper cover shrooms, party corpse, always deep with a gerbil bereavement. One, two, three, psychiatrist, ketamine, anyone? I'd say never pooped in an encyclopedia. Dad, 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 can we get a little kitty with a gay, 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 gay wrestling promoter? We rip his clip with our extra life bone. This is my worst holiday. <laughs> and today's episode is brought to you by Amazon. That's right, Amazon, the big dog. If you're going to be buying something from Amazon, it's just as easy to go to my website, www.myworstholiday.com. That includes you, Lisa. Go to www.myworstholiday.com, click the Amazon link, and buy what you're going to buy in the first place. Not going to cost you anything more. It's just going to give us a little bit of love. And I mean a little. A little. It's embarrassing a little. It's bad. So anyway, also brought to you by... Uh, T Public, yeah, fuck drops. I'm not talking about them anymore. T Public, that's right. You can go to my website again, www.myworstholiday.com. Click the T Public link. You can get my worst holiday merchandise there, or you can buy whatever t shirt you want. They've got a great selection, they got great shirts, they're reasonably priced, they're fantastic. Just drop by, click the link, and just take a look. Not asking anybody, just take a look. Also brought to you by Cigar Bundles of Miami. These guys don't pay me anything. I just love their cigars, and they send me a few extra sticks. And with that being said, from a room next to my bathroom in my basement, this is My Worst Holiday, a podcast about your worst wedding, worst funeral, bachelor party, bachelorette party, or anything that's funny after the fact. We want to hear it. And today we have a very special guest. We have Lisa Bagby, the author of I'm That Girl and host of Live It Wild. Lisa, say hello. Hello. Nice <laughs> Hi. Hi. I'm, I'm here. I didn't miss the show. This is my buddy. This is my partner, Stobby. Stobby, this is Lisa Bagby. Nice and we got, we got a lot of people uh, listening right now. Jacob Harrison from the Jive Turkeys. Joel Thomas is watching. Uh, uh, Jessica Hoon Ecker is watching. Uh, Ann Denault is watching. Uh, lots of people. So anyway, go ahead and uh, tell us all about you, Lisa. Okay, no pressure, right? No pressure. <laughs> I am a widow of two years. I'm an EMT. I've worked in the medical field most of my life. Through some bad experiences, um, events over the last two years, I decided to write a book. Awesome. Called a girl. Okay. And what was the what's the book about? It is about okay so i had a fairy tale life i was happily married to the love of my life he was an amazing man and he um died suddenly on march 2nd 2018 from pancreatic cancer Ooh. after only 30 days after his diagnosis he was healthy and happy and he was worked as a logger all of his life he was very strong oh so you married like a man man like a, a logger man that's a did he have a sweet beard? <laughs> That's all I just figured. Yeah. Lumberjacks just like the biggest beards. Yeah. Just burly beards. Plaid. Plaid shirts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had a plaid shirt, but no beard. <laughs> <laughs> I had to draw See, the, see the difference between yeah. your husband and me is, uh, I'd say, calluses. Like, I have none. And he probably like, had a lot. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good. And He's so I lost him. And it was 
it was hard. It was the hardest thing that one of the hardest things I had to go through in my life. I was alone. Um, I would sit and cry, and I I just begged for him to come and take me with him. Mm-hmm. It was a very time. We own a small farm, a ranch, 30 acres, and we have lots of animals, and there's a lot of things to do. We cut our own firewood, so I had to learn how to use a chainsaw and cut my own firewood, and I had to learn how to maintain the property and take care of the animals, and still while working a full-time job, it was exhausting. It was rough, and it took me a while to uh, get things in order and get my strength back and my wits about myself so that I could continue with the hand that had been dealt with me, yeah. dealt to me. Yeah. You know, things very happened very suddenly and very uh, dramatically. Like, uh, yeah, my families went through things as well, you know, I mean, so, yeah, I can completely understand. Um, so the, this is, uh, so back to, like, the book. Is this what the book is kind of based on, or are you? Uh... Oh, it gets worse from there. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we try. That was the good part. Fuck. Okay. I'm sorry. Are you sure you want me to continue? <laughs> please, continue. Yeah, please continue. Okay. About a year and a half after his death, um, I was introduced to this man by an elderly mutual friend who had worked on her ranch um, for years right out of high school. And now he had... Um, went to school to drive a train. He was a train engineer. And he was a great guy. He was really nice, probably the nicest man that I'd ever met in my life outside of my husband, of course. And he befriended me and about two, it took him about two months to um, kind of win me over and um, we started dating. And we dated for about two and a half months. And it was great. I saw him, you know, twice a week we didn't live together on his days off. We would always have a great adventure. We'd always have a great time. Um, I trusted him completely. And with him, my tears started to dry up and I um, looked forward and it always seemed like I was just preoccupying my time waiting for his train so that we could have a great adventure together. Oh, okay. All right. And then. And then. Okay, it's like, what? And then. (laughs) I think there's more. Sorry, I'm new to this. This is so hard. I'm just going to drag it here. I'm going to drag that out of you. There you go. Just just hold on. And I'm pulling. Okay, good. Okay, I'm there. Okay, so, and then, one morning on September 1st, I rolled over to give him a kiss. It was Labor Day weekend. And so that was my worst holiday. And I looked at his phone and I couldn't believe what I saw on his phone. And I said, oh my God. And he jumped up and he looked at me with this look on his face that I'd never seen before. It was startling. Um, He didn't really throw his phone at me, but he, Okay, he threw his phone towards me like a hot potato. Like, he just had to get it out of his hands. It was so strange. And he put on his um, shoes and his pants from the night before that were laying on the floor. 
And beside him on his side of the bed was a black duffel bag that he always carried with him. He told me it was his work bag. I didn't never looked in the bag. I didn't think I should look in the bag. I never even thought of looking in the bag. I never mm-hmm. thought of distressing this person or I should, there was no red flags. I wish that I would have looked in the black bag, but it never even crossed my mind. I trusted him completely. So he got up, he left everything. He left his cell phone, his wallet, his keys. Both his vehicles were sitting in my um, driveway, $100,000 worth of trucks. Um, His train keys, his work badge. He left everything that morning and he walked outside of my house and he walked up my driveway and I sat on my bed and I watched him walk up my driveway carrying that black bag. I don't know um, if I was in shock or what happened, but I just sat there. I was frozen. Um, I didn't know what to think. And he kind of scared me. I I locked the door. I've never seen that look on his face before. I was kind of, I live on a mountain. I have no close neighbors. I'm the last house on a county road that opens up to thousands and thousands of acres of forest land. I'm a new widow. I just got used to being alone. I have no street lights. Um, and I was scared. So I sat on my bed for a while, just trying to get my thoughts together. And I picked up his phone and there was no code on it or anything. Cause I've never gone through his phone either. Didn't think I should or that I needed to. Mm-hmm. And there was, um, hundreds and hundreds of emails, um, dating back from 2012 that some were illegal and some were vile and some were, um, just disgusting. I couldn't even believe. Oh, oh no, no, (laughs) that's that. Yeah, that's not good. I couldn't um, understand some of the language. I had to Google it to find out what they were talking about because it's words that ordinary people don't use. Yeah, like slang type. Yeah, and um, so after a while reading through them, I took it to my son who's 20 and he had a job and he was going to college, but he still lived at home. And he understood more than I did. He's just like, Mom, I'm so sorry. Um, and so we decided that we should call and um, the sheriff's department and turn it in. Yeah. And so yes, definitely yes. Okay. <laughs> hey, we're on the same and, page. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I did. And the sheriff, and I told him, you know, he's missing. And I don't know his family and I don't know his friends. I don't have any contact numbers mm-hmm. um, other than one was in his phone, but I didn't know what to do or what to say to people. I've never met these people before. I didn't know where he was at or what he was doing. Right. And so the sheriff's office decided they weren't going to come out that day, but they came out the next day and they parked at the gate on the county road and um, asked me to meet him there. And so I went down there, which is just a half mile from my house. And I'm like, why are you guys starting here? They had the whole search and rescue um, 
van thing set up there and they're like i'm like we never walked on this road we walked on my mountain i have trails um i'm an avid hiker and yeah. we have trail from yeah my you're, you're the mountain. guide of uh live her life like uh what is it live wild <laughs> live her wild yeah live her wild yeah and so i have trails through the forest that i don't have to walk on the road you know i have five dogs i don't want to walk on the road and first of all to see people drive by and have to control my five dogs so i have trails all the way through the forest thousands of acres where he and i had hiked and i told them that so i went out with search and rescue on that day and then they asked if they could come back to my property so i brought them to my property i walked them through all my trails and so i was tired i had a seven um, centimeter mass in my uterus that i was scheduled to have oh, gosh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's just one form of misery piled on top of another form of misery. It's it's like a, it's kind of a, a misery Dagwood sandwich, if you will. So yeah. there's just so many layers. Yeah. And so I was scheduled to have that removed. And he knew that um, I was not feeling well. I was basically bleeding um, all the time. And so I had to reschedule my surgery um I did have that done in November, thank goodness. But so um, the sheriff's office on that night, the two detectives came and talked to me. I was just sitting down. I was too tired. I couldn't search anymore. And they said either he had one of his contacts pick him up at the highway down at the end of the road, or he he had a contact pick him up and he was at a bar somewhere in Portland, or he had committed suicide and they knew why by looking at his phone and they were calling off the search i was kind of um sad and i felt like they just um disregarded a life you know i deserve to have answers and his family deserved to have answers right and regardless of what he did or who he is we need answers. And so I continued searching by myself. His railroad friends um, came a couple times. They saw a bear and they decided they weren't coming back anymore. Um, so I continued looking. After about a week or seven days, I was harassed by the Seattle railroad workers so badly called names, called a cunt, called a murderer. Um, there was false reports right here from the reporter in my hometown that um that i was a murderer and oh jeez um, i found out he was married um which so I didn't he was know married before. and had the other stuff going on as well along with being with you exactly so, he went by about 10 different names that i know of so far i haven't oh. even finished going through all the emails <laughs> oh my God, that's so up. what was in the bag well let me get to that part okay keep going Okay, so they, I called the sheriff's department. I said, I'm being harassed. I have $100,000 worth of vehicles sitting in my driveway that you guys haven't searched. I have them I have them locked together with a logging chain because I'm afraid these Seattle guys are going to come try to take them or his wife, who I don't even know if it's true that it's still his wife or if he was ever married. Right now, I'm doubting everything. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I need you to guys to come get his stuff. His wallet was still there. His phone was still there. His keys were still there. And I didn't want them at my house. I didn't want to get broken into. I didn't want to be responsible for it. Um, I wanted everything gone. I wanted to be done. Yeah. And so they came and they got his stuff. 
and um, they asked me a few more questions and they asked if they could look at the property again I said yes so they did but I didn't realize they only searched one quarter of my property when you say we're searching is it okay if we search your property and I say yes that means you're searching my property right not one quarter of my property where they only focused on these two holes that I had um, dug by a local contractor testing the rocks for a rock quarry because he has a rock quarry um, across the way and um, I wanted to see if I could have a rock quarry so he brought him and his son brought their excavation um, equipment up and tested two spots on a quarter of my property and they verified that and it was true but that's I didn't know that was the only section of my property they searched right so I I kept searching for 17 days and on the 17th day I walked up on the mountain going through my property the same trail that I walked search and rescue down the same trail I walked the Seattle guys down up to the mountain to look for him and about Right before I got to my property line, my dogs ran out through the brush. They usually don't do that because they know the trail and they're excited to get up to the mountain. And I called them back and they were very excited and they wanted to go again. So I just let them go. And it was September. There was a lot of brush, a lot of blackberries. I don't know if you guys have ever crawled through blackberries. Oh, yeah. It's like trying to crawl through razor blades. Yeah, yeah, they're bad. Yeah, they've got, uh, they've got some pretty nasty thorns on them. Yes, so I crawled behind my dogs through the blackberries um, until there was this area that I could stand up and um, there was a smell. It was the worst smell I've ever smelled in my life. I'll never forget that smell. I'm an EMT and I've seen and I've done just about everything. Right. And I have a a huge tolerance for that kind of stuff. I'm good at my job and I can do most anything, but this was horrific. And um, I pulled the tree branches apart enough where I could see in there and I saw his shoe and his black pants and then I um, saw some bones and I just fell to the ground and I couldn't breathe I couldn't talk I dialed the detective's number and she was trying to talk to me and I couldn't talk and I was throwing up and all I could say is shoe and she was like, you found a shoe. I am <laughs> i couldn't get it out. And so finally, <laughs> I found his shoe. I see his pants. And I tried to explain what I saw, but I still couldn't breathe. So I had to crawl my way out of there to get to the trail um, where I could get my get away from that smell so that I could get my wits about me. Yeah. And um, I told her what I saw. And, and the sheriff's department is about 45 minutes away from my house. I'm pretty rural. And she told me that um, they would be on their way out. So I walked out, or I don't even know, crawled out. I was vomiting the whole way. I was having a hard time breathing. Um, When I got to my gate, there was one sheriff there. So then I had to uh, try to walk back in there, uh, still having the same symptoms. And then I took him to the place that I had to walk back out and meet the other sheriffs and then walk him to the top of the hill and like I can't go any further and they had to radio in to find out where he was because I was just done. And so I went back to my house and hours later they came back, um, the detectives, and they're like, "Um, did you know he had a gun? And I'm like, 
no. And they're like, have you ever owned a 45? I'm like, no. And they're like, has your husband ever owned a 45? And I said, no. And I showed them the guns that I had locked in my safe that were my husband's. Um, no 45. And so they found a 45. He suffered a gunshot to the head. The 45 pistol was laying there. A hard bottle of alcohol was laying there, which I've never even seen him drink hard alcohol. I've seen him drink a couple beers if we went out um, for a burger or something, but not even excessive drinking. And so I found out he had a gun in the bag and hard alcohol in that black bag. Well, a couple days went by and I called the detective and I'm like, do you think it's okay if I go up there and um, make peace, maybe plant some flowers or something? And she's like, no, give it a couple more days because they still haven't found the bullet casing or the black bag and I said you're kidding me and she's like no I'm like do you remember that picture of that hole I sent you when that's on my trail it's on the other side of my property and going into this hole was this big branch stuck down in the hole which was new to me because I hiked I've been searching you know I hiked that trail at least four times a week and there's this huge branch stuck down in this hole that's new it was apparent that it couldn't have fell through from the trees because that area had been logged and there was trees there, but there were small trees. There was no tree there with a branch that big that could have fell off. And I took pictures of it that day and there was um, a slide mark off of it, like something went down in the hole and I sent it to them and they didn't think it had anything to do with it. So they disregarded it. Yeah. And I, I'm like, remember that hole I sent you pictures of? And she's like, oh yeah. I'm like, I bet that bag's in that hole. And I bet that's why that branch is sticking out of that hole. I know this mountain like the back of my hand. And she's like, oh my gosh. She goes, do you mind if I send some sheriffs up there to take a look at that, show them where that hole is? I'm like, absolutely. So three or four of them came up and I showed them the hole and they're like, do you mind if we come back tomorrow and um, dig in that hole and see what's in there? I'm like, it's not my property. As far as I'm concerned, you can go through my property, do whatever you need to do. Um, so anyway, they got permission from whoever owns that property to dig in that hole. And they went through my property with the tractor to get to the hole. Well, um, on their way there, they stopped and they did find the bullet casing in the area where I found his body. So they did find that. Um, and then they went to the hole and they dug it up and sure enough, the bag was full. And I was sitting on my bed um, where I can see the mountain. And I could see the tractor coming back down and the volunteers and it stopped halfway down my hill. And I'm sitting there watching, and I just graduated college in 2018. I took some criminal justice classes. Um, I took Citizens Police Academy, so I kind of know how things work. And so I'm sitting and watching, and I'm like, that is really weird. And I didn't know if something happened, if something went wrong. Um, so I walked up there to check on them, and I had my camera going. So I videotaped them going through the bag, about two football fields away from where they found the bag in front of 10 witnesses tampering with evidence they didn't even um, look for trace um, evidence where the hole was where the hole was where they dug it up they didn't even ribbon it off they just filled that hole back in with that tractor there could be something else down that hole yeah and so i i called the detective she goes throw them off your property so I asked the volunteers to leave, they yeah. did, and then I, the sheriff, I'm like, 
I want you guys to do your job, do it thoroughly, and then I'm going to ask you to leave and not come back. Right. And I have I have all this on video. I've saved everything on my phone. Oh, okay. Well, they told me that um, they were itemizing everything in that black bag. And I'm like, so you're itemizing everything in that black bag 800 feet away from where you found the bag in front of 10 witnesses. And I said everything on the video because I knew what they were doing was wrong. Yeah. It's nobody's business what's in that bag, especially, you know, it's a small town. Right. And so they um, went to the other side of my gate and they, they put the bag in a... Um, a packaging that it should have been in evidence yeah. bag and then they handed me an inventory sheet that said they found the bullet casing and a black duffel bag belonging to cameron sheldon and that's all it said and he's what about all the shit said, in the bag there's a whole inventory exactly he said you, you know, don't like, like, that's what containers are for like what's in the container you know that the container is really not so much as important as what's inside a container you know like exactly. you, on that inventory sheet um con a black duffel bag belonging to cameron sheldon how do they even know it belonged to him they've never seen that bag before how do they know there wasn't something else in the hole that it wasn't ribboned off it wasn't marked as evidence yeah. they covered the whole up i have pictures of that as well and so um i don't know two or three weeks ago i keep checking with the sheriff's department and they know i have this video and I asked how um, the case was going and if they closed it, what's going on. Mm -hmm. And um, the detective on the case, she's, I'll tell you what, she's something else. I don't even know how she keeps her job. She hasn't returned one of my calls this whole time. She never even interviewed me. They had my friend, a detective named, I can't say her name, but from the Lincoln County Sheriff's Lincoln Police Station to come and um, interview me. The Lincoln County Sheriff's Department detective never even entered me. She's never interviewed me. She's never returned any of my calls. Yeah. And so I keep calling and I asked him what was going on. And the sheriff told me that he was informed by her that this is not priority. And it's at the bottom of her stack. Oh, there must this, be a lot of shit going on too, there. How uh, much shit is going on where you live? Where do you, you live outside of Oregon, right? Or in Oregon or... <laughs> I live in Oregon, yes. Okay. So this is when I got pissed off. And I'm like, not priority? Because my life is priority. I almost killed myself over this. I contemplated suicide. I had a plan that didn't work out. But I wanted to look those guys in that train that he should have been driving. And I wanted them to see the damage they had done to me. You know, this ruined my life. This ruined my reputation. And for her to sit there and disregard my life, yeah. she'd already done that. Him. And she disregarded my life. That oh, I'm sorry, this isn't priority, and it's at the bottom of my stack. Oh wow! I got and I got pissed, and I'm like, I've already been writing this book. I'm almost finished, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to tell my story. I'm not going to be silenced anymore. I'm not going to be silenced by these Seattle railroad workers that tell me there's 50 of them and only one of me, and it's true. Yeah. But you know what? I'm going to tell my story, and I'm going to take my life back. Yeah, fuck them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to let this guy, whoever he was, whatever you want to call him, take the mountain away from me. The property that my husband gave to me when he got sick, this property has been in our family for almost 90 years. I'm going to walk my fucking mountain and I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to own it. <laughs> I'm going to plant flowers where I found his body 
I'm going to find peace with it, and I hope that he's in peace, and I'm going to go on with my life. I'm not old. Right. Did you ever talk to the, the, the supposed wife? I talked to her one time, and she told me, she was very nice. I have nothing bad to say about her whatsoever. She's just so, um, well. She's probably mind-fucked <laughs> as you are. I mean, just. Well, like, where did, she, where, did she th where did she think that he was when he was with you? Well, apparently, she found some emails in 2014 that he was talking to people, hooking up with people, saying that she had been killed in a car accident. Mm. Well, Did you she, say people um, as in men and women? Anything. I get it. That's what I was looking for. They went to counseling, and then he started pulling this crap that if she found out anything then he else, the counselor, then he would like, off. He'd want to leave, so she'd jump in his truck and say, it's okay, it's okay, and that was his way of controlling her so he wouldn't leave and commit suicide. Oh. It was like the same thing, and I felt so bad for her because she had no other option. They were married outside of high school. That was probably the only man she'd ever been with. Right. And she did things out, and he kept um, going ghost on her where she was scared to say anything. I know he was the only and man I'd ever been with. Oh, no, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it's a comedy podcast. No. So I'm going to make fun. Let me hang out. I know him. These emails went back a little many years. <laughs> um, so, wait. So he okay, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, that's all. He just controlled her by that. It was like he could do whatever he wanted to, and she would have never left him. She, she would have stayed right there with him. Oh, wow. Oh, I like the cut of her jib. <laughs> if, you're, if, you, if you really want to get your word out, we know a few uh, writers and directors. Yeah. <laughs> a couple. So, uh, <laughs> just a few. So, I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a story. This is a, this is a this story. Is a, this is a made-for-TV movie. That's what I want to... <laughs> if you read those emails, I mean, I want to save some secrets for my book, but... There was illegal stuff. There was, like I said, vile stuff, rude stuff. There was stuff that you couldn't even imagine that people actually talked about or did. And there's a group of those five um, Seattle Railroad workers, and I called them the Circle Jerk. <laughs> and There you go. <laughs> well, they called me that, so I had to repay it. There you go. <laughs> our, uh, our, our friend, is a, he's a policeman. He's watching right now. Uh, he, he said, uh, once a cheater, always a cheater. Once a liar, always a liar. That's just my opinion. <laughs> Great detective yes. work, Joel. Nicely done, Joel. Where'd you pull that one out of? And so this, these five guys were the worst at harassing me. And it's like, what, are you guys trying to put, make me look bad? Because I think they're in on it. I think they all had lots of money. They all were nasty. Yeah. And I think they had this whole little ring going on. I was going to say, yeah, you think it's a, it's a ring of some sort? It's a little Epstein ring going on all here. The are on this email these emails all the names are on these emails they weren't um careful all their email addresses were on there they weren't craigslist list addresses they were their normal everyday um names addresses phone that, numbers that's, that's really email. really stupid like really really yeah. stupid like I here i am look at me doing crazy shit yeah like with my regular address yeah like, like no, no pseudo names no uh that's oh, yeah. that's, that's fucked up <laughs> I'd exploit him. And one of them, and one of them, he was known as Miss Cupid. Miss Cupid. Hmm. Oh, well, he likes to be as pretty as the next man, I guess. 
Uh, hello. Uh, uh-huh. I did. Did. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Let's talk that one. Yeah. Wow. No, I don't even. Hey, as long as you're not dressing up in animal costumes and doing it, it's okay by me. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's okay by me, yeah, too. Yeah, even the furry thing? <laughs> yeah, the furry thing. The furry thing is fun, I, and I guess. I've got a little. <laughs> 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 some of that there. God damn it. This guy's done it all. Yeah, Steve Joyner's watching us. Steve, how you doing, brother? Uh, got... did, did they find the gun on his person, or did they find it in that black bag? Oh, no, it was laying beside him. His okay. bag wasn't yeah. with you know, Okay, he... so they, well, no, I didn't know, what, I didn't know if he... they think someone murdered him, or if he got, you know, uh, or if he, you know, committed suicide or whatever, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, and they asked me if I've ever seen the bat, the gun. I'm like, I've never even been in the bag. And they did have, they did have it verified. They did tell me that his friend in Seattle did admit to target practicing with him with that gun. So one of his friend's fingerprints must have been on the gun, but mine weren't. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. that's good. Well, you know, if someone asks you, hey, hey, have you ever been in that bag? I'd be like, okay, officer, have you ever been in your wife's purse? Fuck you. <laughs> exactly. You know, same fucking thing. <laughs> Well, that's not gonna happen to me again. I'm gonna strip search whoever comes through this. <laughs> once, once, once been twice shy. You'd have to say that on this one, you know. At least, uh, yeah, you might want to check out everybody from now on. Exactly. Come on I mean, in. Comes- Hold on, I got a metal wand. I'm gonna have to shake you down here real quick. And if they don't have a Facebook, they're fucking crazy. Don't let them bring in a bag. Never let them bring in a bag. Not unless you search it first. <laughs> exactly. What's in the bag, fucker? What's in the bag? Yeah. So it was. It's just been a crazy. Like bomb um, to hit a dildo. That's okay, all this is fine. The rest of the yeah. shit is okay. Yeah. It seemed like you got the fucking shit end of the fucking wow. deal here. Wow. That's uh. So that's quite the story. For that, Jeff. for that, we are sorry. Yeah. But uh, it'll make a good book, better movie. Yes, and there is no red flags. I mean. We had sex. We had normal sex. We had normal, boring sex. I, I don't know. I felt a little left out after well, I found well, out. Well, well, see, <laughs> it, uh, uh, boring is a relative term. You know, like like you might be like, this is normal, and they're like, wow, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, see, normal's just relative. You know, like. Are we talking straight missionary? Maybe a little doggy, but then you know, but then it's like here comes a midget, and they'll, and, you know, let's do sex like the porn stars do. Don't we do sex like the porn stars do? Yeah, it's called a blooper reel. So anyway, when I first when I first wrote the book, I called it "Waiting for the Train" because I was so excited whenever he came. Because <laughs> we always not a good, train. not a good name, not a good name. I know. So then I decided to Waiting for the gangbang. That's what that is. That's what... <laughs> I'm not going to wait for that train anymore. I have my answers. Anyways, <laughs> all the... So I'm going to turn this story into um, me empowering other people um, if they're being harassed or bullied or feel like their life isn't worth anything or yeah, no I seen one cares. You, I, like I said, I've seen you on uh, uh, Brandy Singleton's uh, show, or Brandy J, I'm sorry, um, A Voice to Be Reckoned With. And she, her, her her whole podcast is is nothing but but just about bullying and being kept down or pushed down by others and stuff like that. Great podcast. If you haven't listened to it, you really should. She's lovely. Um, and uh, Lisa was on there. Um, yeah. So let's get into something. What do you give, give us? Something funny and light. What do you What do you got? Uh, 
yeah, please tell me something yeah. funny. Yeah. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna go gotta, home gonna, and cry. I'm gonna cry. Um, so and I, I'm kind of a tough guy, but I, I, I uh, you know, I'm gonna cry. Yeah, I have nothing for you. I have nothing funny. I'm okay, sorry. all right. Well, all right. So, um, well, uh, tell us all about yourself and uh, uh, where, your book, where they can get your book, um, uh, what your your business and everything else. Tell everybody uh, uh, all about you. Go ahead. Well, I'm taking some acting lessons with um, Barry Papik, and that's very exciting. And I'd like to have a show called Live It Wild where I adventure around Oregon and try to show people the beauty of Oregon. Like I was born and raised here, so I know all the fantastic, wonderful spots. And also if someone wants to make a film and they're scouting for someplace to film and they have something in mind, then um, hopefully I'd be able to point them in the right direction. Um, I finishing up my book, I hope to do some um, motivational speaking First, I have to learn how to speak, but um. <laughs> <laughs> you've been doing fine. You know, uh, you just got to continue looking straight ahead and then uh, and deliver it with uh, conviction. Yeah, just throw your voice out there a little bit. You'll be, you'll be fine. You don't seem to have any problems uh, talking, so I mean, I think you should be good with it. You know, I mean, it has to really help me. First, I couldn't even talk without crying, but um, I'm reinventing myself. My my life changed when my husband passed away everything changed. I was sat here. We were going to live here forever. We had the perfect relationship, the perfect house, the perfect ranch, the perfect animals, and everything changed. And when he passed away, right before he passed away, he said, I was beautiful and I could have anything in the world that I wanted. He right. said, go and get it. But I don't know what that is yet. So I want to experience everything good and I want to try everything good. Legal. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, well, I'm going to wrap this one up. Hang out with us just for a few minutes after I'm done wrapping this up. Uh, everybody, we've been talking to Lisa Bagby. Um, she, what an incredible story. This is, I got to tell you, um, it's probably the um, the most intense story that's ever been told like on my show. Yeah, we were speechless for yeah, uh, quite some time. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, usually a lot lighter and funnier, but uh, for, bless for your like, heart. Uh, is a, no, I no. It's a great story. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad you were on. I, I'm really glad you're on. It's a really kind of a diversion from my normal uh set path but i, I really appreciate you coming on yes, and uh as always everybody um if you uh like the show go on itunes rate review um it helps us gets us higher up on the charts which gets us sponsors which gets us more money so uh help us out with that if you like money. if you like a podcast um if you like a podcast give them a dollar you know go on patreon or whatever send them a buck Look, this is the cheapest entertainment you're ever going to get for a dollar. Other than what he does with his... I'll do, anyway. I'll do something strange so, for a little piece of change. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been a Realm of the Mist Podcast Network show. Also, the Fourth Hand Podcast Network show. And from a room next to my bathroom in my basement, this has been my worst holiday. Good night, everybody. Good night, Facebook. <laughs>